You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Hello and welcome to Orange County's longest running business talk show. And I'm your host, Rick Franzi, and we have a great show planned for you today. Why do you ask? Because Nicole Sanchez is our guest. She's the founder of the Bella Foundation. Nicole, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Rick. It's my pleasure. Let's get started with the origin story. So tell me about your original motivation to launch and create the Bella Foundation. Well, thank you. And first, before I get into that, I you know want to acknowledge that it is October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So having me on this show right now is um, so timely. So thank you. And secondly, a lot of people don't like to talk about this this topic. So I just thank you so much for allowing me to have this time to be with you and to share about the Bella Foundation. Um, I think with any foundation, there's always some type of a very intimate and personal story that goes along with somebody that is a founder and a president of an organization just like the Bella Foundation. And um, the motivation, I guess, would be to be a role model and to allow people to see that you can come out on the other side. As I mentioned, I've got a personal story with domestic violence, and that was when I was Um, between the ages of 11 and 12, my mother was in an abusive relationship and we needed to leverage the resources available for survivors of domestic violence. And we lived in a shelter for abused women and children for, um, I guess it was about a week. You know, when you go through something like that, you kind of tend to block things out a little bit, but um, we needed those resources and that impacted my life forever. So I went through my adulthood um, really wanting to be able to give back specifically to survivors of domestic violence. And I did that through different agencies throughout. At the time, I lived in Minnesota. And then when I moved to uh, Orange County, I also was part of different agencies. And then in um, 2019 is when I said, okay, let's, um, let's do this. Let's just do this. And let's see if we can make the Bella Foundation something that is really a legacy for for my daughter. Um, So the motivation to answer your question really is to take a stand and to be a role model for my daughter, for little girls like her, for women just like me, men um, and children, so that they know that they, you know, on the other side of domestic violence can be something very beautiful. So I'd like to continue to explore the Bella Foundation, but I also know that you're a professional in the construction industry and you're an author and a podcaster. So we're going to put those conversations a little later in the interview. I just want to. So what was missing in the ecosystem to support people that are victims of domestic violence that you wanted to that you identified and you kind of created the mission for your organization? Yeah, that's a great question. And I don't know that there was anything missing. I just knew that I wanted to be able to give and love people on a different scale. So for me, um, being able to, you know, just be the founder of my own organization and to have that legacy be for my daughter and for any other little girl that is inspired by it or woman that is inspired by it, um, you know, there wasn't anything missing. It was more about what did I think was important um, that I felt like that I could stand behind and be purposeful about. Mm 
And that happened to be, you know, the whole part of what we do for the Bella Foundation is all about getting women back into the workforce. If you, you may know this, but um, women typically uh, don't have the means to be able to be, you know, financially stable for their family. Mm -hmm. So one thing that's been super important for me is that we take a stand and we're able to show women how to get back into the workforce. So using um, job placement resources, professional clothing. We just did a hang it forward event where we have so many clothes that we're able to give to women to be able to show up for an interview. Oftentimes these women leave and they don't have anything except for maybe the clothes on their back. So to be able to give them a suit or a couple of suits for a week or two weeks until they're able to get into their home, um, to get them back into the workforce, feeling comfortable and confident and presentable in a professional environment. And then also um, the job placement, having resources for them, maybe as simple as resume writing, finding somebody that can write a, a resume for them so that they can get back into the workforce. And then also something that's very close to my heart because I have a daughter um, is childcare, being able to provide scholarships so that while mom, or in some cases, dad, um, are at work, they know that their child is safe in a loving, caring environment so that they don't have to worry about their babies while they're at work. So that, that sounds like it's really a holistic approach to helping the victims to get back on their feet. It's exactly what it is. And to become independent and to be able to count on and rely on themselves. That's right. To be exactly that. I mean, it, 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 there needs to be no other words added there, but it is just to make sure that they're able to stand on their own two feet again, or maybe for the first time right. and be able to support their families and, um, also be a role model to their children. Because I, I could imagine, and I may be wrong, and I'm just sort of following the logic, but I think it makes sense that if that's not available to that person, it, the tendency is maybe to backslide and go back into that abusive relationship because you really feel like maybe you don't have any other options. Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, what happens is, um, you know, I'll just, I'll use our personal experience as an example. But what happens is, you know, the victim is in the, in the relationship, toxic things are happening. Um, they go out of the relationship and now, you know, mom can't afford to be able to even, you know, get her own place to live. So there's resources for that specifically, but oftentimes what will happen and it's a high percentage, um, it's a very high percentage. And I think that it's up to seven times a victim will go back to her wow. perpetrator wow. because um, she or he feels like, you know, she can't quite do it on her own. So showing women that we can do it on our own, we've just got to have the right people and the right resources in place to be able to stand up. So I'm wondering, because you've launched this right before COVID-19, yeah. right? Yeah. So what what has been the impact on your organization from COVID-19? Yeah, directly to our organization, it was pretty, you know, it was a little painful. We couldn't have any fundraising events. Um, so we had to, you know, put those on hold, which, you know, while that whole thing was happening, domestic violence increased by about 8% in the United States while COVID was occurring. So that was, that's a big deal. I mean, there's, people stuck in their homes with their perpetrators. So domestic violence is increasing and, you know, we couldn't get out to do any type of events to be doing fundraising. So we had to be a little bit creative, but 
we came out swinging this year. We had a, a really good couple of golf tournaments that were fundraisers for us. We had our hang it forward event, which was a great event for us, not just from a, you know, a monetary standpoint, but, you know, we've got a warehouse full of clothes that I've been able to donate to um, different agencies throughout Orange County. So um, yes, COVID, you know, was, it was a little quiet for us um, at a time when I know that people needed us so badly, but we were, you know, we're able to come out of it and we're coming out strong. So we're good. So I'd like to ask founders of organizations, companies, firms, nonprofits, over the years, have you had any pivots in the in the organization that have kind of put you where you are today? Is maybe different than when you first had the inspiration to start the Bella Foundation? Yeah, that's a great question. So when I first came out with the Bella Foundation, I wanted to be everything to everybody. I was like, all of the resources, let me just figure out how to get everything to everybody that might need something. And I just had a heart I had a heart to help people and to sort support people. So I was like, let's just do it all. Well, you know, you can't be everything to everybody as you and I were just speaking about. So we had to kind of take a step back and be very aware of what am I passionate about? And that's exactly what you and I just spoke about. That's about being a woman that is able to support her family. So that's where we were able to pivot from being the resource to everybody for everything to no, we're going to we're going to focus specifically on resources for a career so that a woman can get back into the workplace so she can get her child in safe childcare and she can show up with, you know, a nice outfit and feel confident and presentable in her workplace. So that was the pivot. So, you know, that the this is a very empowering story because the legacy of the memory of what you went through is multiplied by, I would imagine, the, the many children that are from families and homes that have domestic violence. Mm -hmm. And so the ability to demonstrate a, a, a willingness and an ability to get back onto your own two feet, that not only impacts the individual, but it also has I think the reciprocal or the downstream impact on all the children that may be going along with that and seeing how they were able to become a survivor rather than a victim. Yeah. So um, it sounds like you might know a little bit about domestic violence, but it, it, it can be generational. You're exactly right. So what can happen is um, I, I stopped the cycle. My little girl is not going to see that type of behavior. My mom did the best that my mom knew to do. And I'm super proud of her because she did get us out of that situation. And she stopped the cycle after we had already experienced it. Right. But nonetheless, she got us out of it and we never had to go back to that type of environment again. I am breaking the cycle for my daughter. And if not, it can be generational. It can carry from my generation to hers, to her children's children and so on and so forth. So um, I think when we as parents or caregivers or, you know, aunts and uncles, whatever people might be keeping that in mind in what we're doing for the children that are looking at us so closely, they're looking at us so closely and they're looking for us to take the lead and to show them how life is supposed to go. And so to be able to have that type of impact and influence on not just my daughter, but any other little girl that's watching or any other mom that might feel stuck or dad for that matter, 
um, just being able to be that influence and make that impact into just like I said before, you know, take a stand and show people that you can come out on the other side and how life might be today for you. It doesn't have to stay that way and it doesn't have to be like that for your kids. So let's talk about tomorrow and the vision you have for the Bella Foundation. Yeah. So I think right now, I now that I had to do that pivot and kind of realize that I can't save the whole world <laughs> all at one time, um, but I can certainly make a difference and, and make an impact. I think being excellent at what we're doing right now, continue to create awareness, maybe even on a larger scale, but continue to you know, get the clothing for the women, be able to disperse it and just really continue to do what we have set out to do in complete excellence. And then we'll see what unfolds from there. Yeah, you never know what the future holds, but certainly the impact you're making is valuable and needed. And I want to thank you for uh, making that decision to take your time and talents and treasures and focus in this area. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Let's change our focus a little bit, because in addition to running the foundation, you're also a professional who's working in the construction industry. So tell us a little bit about your professional life. Yes, thank you for asking that. I would be remiss if I didn't talk about my profession in the construction industry. I work for a great company called CW Driver Companies. We're a general contractor here in Orange County. We service Orange County, LA, San Diego, Inland Empire. Um, so I have been blessed to be able to work with them for the last nine months or so. I've been in the construction industry for going on nine years, mm -hmm. uh, which has been interesting because I didn't come from construction. I came from, uh, I spent 17 years at Wells Fargo. So it was a bit of a transition for me to go from that world to this world of construction, but I love every minute of it. It's fascinating. Um, I work for a great company and, uh, I do the thing every day. <laughs> and what do you, what do you do for CW driver? I'm a director of project development. So my job is basically to bring acquire business for our, um, it's, it's called driver SPG. So there's driver, CW, CW driver companies is an umbrella of companies. CW driver is our flagship. They handle all large build projects and then driver SPG, which is where I'm focused, handles tenant improvements, renovations, smaller new builds. So my job is to bring in the work, work with the team and um, execute everything. So that is interesting. Uh, the when one thinks of a construction industry, they probably have an image of a hard hat and, and people <laughs> up on whatever. And, and there you are out there looking for and growing CW drivers division. That's fantastic. Uh, you must, I, I'm, what is it about the construction industry that it, that you so enjoy? I mean, have you ever been to a dirt lot and there's nothing there uh -huh. and then magically within, you know, a year to 18 months, there is a fascinating structure standing before you. Right. Yes. I think it's pretty cool. Yes. Or to be able, like now that I'm in tenant improvement and renovation, which is a little bit of a different world from where I came from, but um, being able to work with an architect and have them you know, have this vision of what this space is going to look like. I don't have that type of creativity. So to be able to work with people that have the vision to completely transform a building 
It's fascinating. It is. It, and it's so tangible to your point, you know, yes. it, you, you can touch it, you can see it, it changes. It's, um, it's a, it's a nice reality check for the work that you do. I also know that you're a published author. So let's discuss your book, the 17 undeniable traits of leaders in construction. First of all, what was the motivation to even take on this project? How did you come up with the content? Tell me what the big ideas in the book are, please. Yeah. So the book came from, let's see, I was launching a marketing strategy for the company that I was with prior to CW Driver. And within that, I was talking to all kinds of leaders throughout the construction industry. And I was having these amazing, powerful conversations. And I thought, yeah, these conversations, probably something like you, Rick, these conversations need to be recorded, right? Like people need to be learning from this conversation that I'm having with this person right now. So I started first the podcast. So that podcast then turned into a book. So I took 17 of my episodes and I, if you, if you, if you looked at the book or if you haven't looked at the book, you'll have to go check it out. But I have, um, each of the chapters has a nugget that I took from one of the episodes and I turned that episode into whatever it was. So for instance, another little plug for CW Driver, but our president, Carl, is in chapter five and he talks about trust. And so I have his quote as the header of chapter five. And then the whole chapter is about being your word and building trust. So those were the, that's where it came from. I was just having conversations, turned it into a podcast and then turned that podcast into a book. What, what a great way to do that. You know, there's a strategy blog to book where you write a bunch of blogs and then you organize yeah. them and you take a book and, and you did a podcast, the book strategy, which is which is repurposing the content and probably making it uh, accessible to people who maybe wouldn't have had a chance to hear the interviews on the podcast. They're probably self-reinforcing now, I would think, the book and the podcast. Yeah, there's a little bit more content in the book that was some of my thoughts as well. So like I said, I would just take like, something that really landed with me during sure. the conversation and then just elaborate throughout that chapter on what my thoughts were, you know, trust again, just as an example, what my sure. thoughts were on trust as a leader and how we, you know, establish trust and what the impact of that is to our teams. So it was a fun project. It was a long project, um, but it's out there. So thank you for knowing that. So, um, I love to ask, you know, authors from the time you had the first inkling of an idea that you could create, you could write this book to when you held the book as a finished product in your hands. How long did, how long did that take? It was about a year. About I a had year. started a draft that was not even actually how the book turned out. Uh, you know, it was a little bit more philosophical and <laughs> not even a doctor or anything like that, but um, I do have that side of me. So, you know, scratch it and then just kind of go, okay, I already have the content. Like I just said, the content's already there. I just need to elaborate on a few things. So it did, it took about a year and I'll never forget the day. It was actually my birthday and uh, my husband had, had it's, uh, it's on Amazon. So my husband had ordered, he had sent me the, the um, you know, the, the draft of the book. And so I opened it up on my birthday and there was my book, which was, um, you know, I think oftentimes people say, you know, I should write a book. And I said that for years right. and I, right. really, I didn't know if I would ever write a book. I, you know, thought about it and I thought, yeah, I could probably write a book. And then when you actually do it and it's, 
in your hand, again, that tangible thing that we were talking about, um, it's pretty remarkable to just go, yeah, I mean, I wrote a book. You can't underestimate the what that accomplishment is because a lot of times in my experience, people who feel like they have a book to write, when they actually put their ideas down, sometimes they realize they don't really have a book, they have an outline. And they, yes. may they may lose the motivation to work hard to turn those ideas into the finished product. Because like you said, many times your first draft isn't any resemblance to what the finished product is. And not at all. And my first draft was actually probably, you know, a little self-absorbed. I think <laughs> sometimes people think like, wow, look at my life. I could write a book. Right. And that right. was, that was me as well. I thought, well, you know, my life I could definitely. And so I wrote my life and it was maybe 10 pages. So <laughs> <laughs> So that definitely <laughs> had to go out the window. So the, my life didn't work out. So and, you know, and so that's all too common, ladies and gentlemen. But if you think you have a book in you and the world needs to hear about it, you have to persevere past that first maybe disappointment of, well, this isn't what I thought it was going to be and make it happen. That's so true. It seems so much messier in my head. When I got it out on paper, I was like, oh, well, let's write about something that people can actually learn from. And that's right. exactly what my book is. It's just basic principles of leadership, you know, basic fundamentals. So, and I have to believe that they're true, not just in the construction industry, but probably in business in general. Anywhere. Absolutely. Yeah. So if someone would like to connect with you, learn more about your book, learn about the Bella foundation, where do you suggest they go? I would check me out on LinkedIn first, Nicole Sanchez on LinkedIn. If anybody's interested in the Bella Foundation, that's the Bella.org. That's the website. Uh, you know, we have Instagram as well. The Bella Foundation is on Instagram. So, but the best place would be LinkedIn. So if there was one thing that the Bella Foundation could benefit from the audience that's listening, is there one area that the organization could does have a need that people could help you with? Yeah. So as I mentioned, right now we have a very healthy, you know, storage of clothing. So we're good on clothing for the moment, but in any foundation, I think that fundraising, it's challenging. I don't know if anybody's ever, you know, if you've fundraised for anything, Rick, but um, it's, you know, it's a challenge and we can always use the funds to be able to support, especially the, uh, scholarships for children to get mm. to child care. That's, you know, it's an expense. I've got a child and, you know, a, a lot of people listening probably have children too. And it's not, um, it's not a light expense every month. So right. I would, to answer that question, you know, the funds we, you know, we need to be funded. Well, let's hope that that happens a little bit off of the show and your appearance here. I really appreciate you being on the show, Nicole. This has been very enjoyable. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. It's been fantastic. And I'd like to thank the audience. You've been a part of Orange County's longest running business talk show. Nicole's episode was episode number 1405 in our catalog. And if you're an Orange County entrepreneur and you would like to tell your story, then reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm Rick. Franzi, R-I-C-F-R-E-N-Z-I, or you can visit my website, which is the same thing, rickfranzi.com. And until the next time we have a chance to be together, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. Mm -hmm.